Hi everyone, I'm Andy. And I'm Angela. And welcome to The Magistream, a podcast for Majestans by Majestans. Note that the podcast, The Magistream, is not to be confused with the in-game Magistream, a wave of living magic that refreshes a Majestan's health and abilities at sunrise. On this episode, we'll talk about our second fall game, we'll hear a performance by Aurelia, clarify how knowledges work, and hear Riven talk about the Evernight, different dimensions, and his worst enemies. People don't understand it. Say I'm too old to believe in magic. Your only limit is what you can imagine. So come and listen, la 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 la. You're still dreaming of your last plot After game ends, do you feel lost? Are you worried we forgot you? Introducing the magistrate Come ask Riven anything Be your bridge between the games People don't understand it Say I'm too old to believe in magic the only limit is what you can imagine. So come and listen, la 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 la. So come and listen, la 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 la. But first, uh, let's talk about this giant pile of potions that I've got. <laughs> Some of which I bought, like, uh, or made shortly after, like, the uh, potions became multi-use, mm-hmm. and I haven't used hardly any of them. And they expire uh, this this November. So potion in roulette ne- in the next couple of games. <laughs> the thing is, most of these things aren't things you want to drink. Well, they're like that's why it's potion roulette. <laughs> they're ink mostly, <laughs> and oil of sharpness. Of oh, well, or or, or stabilized sh- potions, which you don't really want to drink if you're not <laughs> unconscious. Like, most of the stuff that I have to drink is not, like, drinkable. I've got a couple potion bracers that I've got uh-huh. that are, they're actually, like, little ammo, like, holders that are supposed to go on, like, a rifle's buttstock, but they're, like, they fit the potion vials. Um, Maybe our sponsor break tonight should be, like, Riven's <laughs> Potion Mania. Going, going, going. For sale. This event. Yeah, they're on clearance. <laughs> Um, and just sell a bunch of potions. But yeah, because like, I've got one bracer of stuff that's like, you know, fairly good stuff. And the, the other one is just like, you don't want to drink it because it's all, it's all inks and, 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 uh, <laughs> and stuff that you don't actually want to ingest. You know, I just saw a video about how like one of the most expensive pizzas has a crust infused with squid ink. So Interesting. I just some, <laughs> saw some sort of uh turducken monstrosity that's just on facebook that's got like just like squid uh tentacles coming out of a turkey wow 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 (laughs) yeah squid are so gross but there are um holidays that involve uh in majesta that don't necessarily involve turkeys or squids that are coming up which i know i know these are this is your favorite time of uh the magistry season it is uh, festival of souls and uh the faye isley holiday yeah. I mean, I love the fall for LARPing, although I'll tell you, we haven't had much of a fall LARP season. No, this it's been weather. like a summer LARP season. Yeah, not cool. I want my fall. But I do love Isley and the Festival of Souls. They're my two favorite holidays that we have at game. So I'm excited. 
But let's talk about what happened last game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so last game was our second game back in Elmerton. Yay! And, uh, yep. And we had some pretty weird and creepy stuff start to happen. On Gathering Day, we had these strange marionette-like dolls that turns out weren't marionettes, but were um, things sent by Magento's daughter. Um, well, they actually were marionettes. Or they, well, they, they were marionettes, but there, was, there were also like necromancers and stuff in the mix as yes. well, which was not super fun um, <laughs> because they, started, they were playing a, a game with us, uh, which the game was basically vilely resurrect some members of town. And then see how far you can get in taking over the whole town. <laughs> it was a fun game. It was very effective, too. Yeah, yeah. Did you yeah. get finally resurrected? Oh, yeah. Yeah? How did oh, you yeah. do against the town? Um, not very well. <laughs> Were they able to tell right away and knock you out? Or did you try and, like, get um, well, them? Like, Simon was with me. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I was just, like, you know, in uh, Aces, like, trying to figure out, like, what's going on. Like, Bram walks in, like, sits down. And I'm like, do you know what's going on? And he's like, no, not really. And then I'm like, okay, well, here's what I think is going on. There's some sort of necromancers are getting vilely resurrected. And I turn my back on Bram for a second, and he just, like, assassinates me. Oh, Which no. he did to a lot of people. Like, like just like just the slightest amount of deception. <laughs> and, like, as soon as I turn my back, assess. And then um, Jeff comes in and vilely resurrects me. And then I run into Simon, and then the two of us... Like, he, he, we, we go down to the amphitheater where there's a bunch of people, um, mm-hmm. and then, like, Simon starts attacking people and then says, Riven, I released my spell. <laughs> and then, like, so no one attacked me right away. And, um, but then Normoron put me down hard and kept putting me down hard for a while. Whoa, Normoron, taking yeah. out some aggression yeah, He's like, hey, there, huh? <laughs> well, like, other people were trying to attack me, and he's like, oh, no, no one hits Riven but me. <laughs> so... Yeah, was, I was really surprised at, at how well that actually worked. And people did a really good job, too, I think. Because um, it, was, it was dark and scary, and I think, uh, I think people did a really good job with that. Yeah, it was insane. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it was, just, like, it was just craziness everywhere. You didn't know who to trust. So in dissension. Yeah. Like, I was attacking Simon for a little bit at first, even though we were both finally resurrected. Cause, <laughs> and he's like, I think we're on the same team. And I'm like, oh, yep, that, no, that makes sense. <laughs> team undead. <laughs> so, yeah, that Magento's daughter was was doing this because she's being um, tormented by the Furies, which was supposed mm-hmm. to be something that was happening to Magento. But he... Um, uh, due to an extra-dimensional mishap, he unwittingly slipped the bonds placed on him by the Furies, and it defaulted to his daughter, um, yep. her being his next of kin. So she sort of went crazy being tormented for n- no really good reason to be, for her to be be tormented. And to then decided for his crimes. Right, because it, was, it wasn't her crimes. And so she decided, well, if I'm going to be tormented, I might as well <laughs> have crimes that are worthy of this torment. It's worth it to note that uh, Magento's daughter is also a puppet. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you sure. didn't know that. But no, I did know that. I forgot to put it in the recap. I yeah, I forgot about that one. I did know that at one point, but yeah, that is a good, good important context uh, fact. So she was basically, you know, sending 
sending in her marionettes to let Magento and all of his buddies know that she was in the area. Mm-hmm. She just it was just a heads up. That's all it was. Hey. Yeah, sure. Just a just a nice <laughs> way to say hi when you're a depraved, uh, tormented puppet thing. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of constructs, we you had yep, a whole we also, weekend full of constructs. Yeah, a lot of constructs, a lot of real creepy stuff. Um, so the, there was the the galley bagger, um, or as I uh, was calling them, the lollygaggers, which. Aralia hated me. <laughs> Every time I would say lollygagger, she'd be like, Callybagger! Callybagger! Um, <laughs> but as uh, as some people did find out, it is a regional term for a scarecrow. I don't know what region they call it. They call them that in. But they're construct scarecrow things that were animated in service to the grain mother um, mm-hmm. by some sort of willing blood sacrifice. And uh, the, the grain mother being um, a fey being from the Scud Barm, which is a sort of mostly watery part of the Fey Realm. But the Grain Mother, sort of a horse-looking creature, I think, from what I've heard. I'm not sure if we've ever actually seen her. But um, she turns, takes children and turns them into grain um, mm-hmm. and bakes bread out of that or turns them into trees. And then, you know, even the apples and stuff can be made out of people. And... This is the harvest time, and she's trying to harvest her crop and get people to partake of that crop. Right. Um, but uh, the galley beggar is a scarecrow thing that was a. Uh, one of them came on uh, on Friday night on um, gathering day night and uh, was attacking the town, uh, paralyzing people, and then once they were paralyzed, scaring them literally to death with a powerful fear effect, and it killed several people. Um, we did resurrect them. Most of them, I think, but we had to like dip into our our scrolls and stuff because that vile resurrection game took a lot out of the town. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So then, on waking day, Queen Leonhan came to the town for the first time in a long time. Yes, you came into town to help us out with the the galley bagger problem. It's true, and I uh, had Solon figure out how to weave your fears into protective amulets to mm-hmm. protect the town. Yep. Yeah, and so Solon helped people do that. Um, he enjoyed that quite a bit, <laughs> finding out people's <laughs> deepest and darkest fears, have them cast either a sonic or spiritualism spell into the amulet, um, and then weave in natural materials. And then uh, we brought those amulets, uh, mostly headbands because they got real itchy around the neck with some of those natural materials. <laughs> um to the these undead fey children, the the huskin, um, down at the amphitheater, where uh, they conferred in, in whisper, whisper, whispers, and judged <laughs> how effect how uh, how powerful the effect would be on our amulets based on how how good a job we did weaving in natural materials and stuff like that. I mean, generally, you guys did a, a really great job. Uh, they looked really good, a lot of them. Yeah, uh, I thought I thought they were really cool looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just you know, as a note, we didn't have a chance to to finish that plot, um, and it wasn't that your amulets weren't going to be effective or weren't they were supposed to be more to that plot. So that plot will continue. If you mm-hmm. still have your amulets, hold on to them. If not, uh, you can maybe make replacements for them for this event because the uh, the effect will 
continue. For. I found my item card, <laughs> so yeah. I don't need to make another. <laughs> well, I don't need to re-enchant it, I guess. Yeah, just keep that in mind. Um, so yeah, that was in the morning. I happened to see that while I was taking some people to do a, like a nature walk, looking for components. Some of which we found inside wood trolls, but other than wood trolls, there were um, some purifiers hunting lycanthropes that were encountered by I think Semeral. Um, and they, I guess they refused to identify themselves. And also there was a Waywatcher uh, who was actually uh, Waywatcher Willow, who's a Tane version of Lenarian that uh, was also hunting lycanthropes. Um, and I, I guess Lenarian <laughs> went uh, went looking for her to... <laughs> I guess they, they have their differences uh, in opinion <laughs> on, on, on uh, lycanthropes uh, vis-a-vis hunting them or not. Um, and also there were a bunch of um, DOD encounters, um, some of which were peaceful and amicable, uh, and sometimes they were fighting us. Most of the time when they were fighting us, they were alongside War King troops. So yeah, that's a thing. Um, <laughs> they we're still trying to figure out exactly what's going on. One In one group of them, one of the DODs said they were sent by Order Harkin, but another one had like coin on him and a note saying they were paid by the War King. So I don't know. Uh, at the... Uh, we had a town watch and like discuss some of that stuff. Napo uh, had looked into the DOD's Commander Stone and found out it's uh, actually William Oblestone. Apparently there was a previous uh, William Oblestone, maybe in the previous age, that um, he's named after and is a descendant mm-hmm. of. And, but the this Commander Stone is skilled in psychological warfare and seems to be manipulating the DOD in some way. Possibly with uh, Order Harkin as well, but in any case, the DOD and the working troops are definitely working together, as we saw several times throughout the uh, the weekend. Um, who said the DOD can't learn to work together with see, other people? Yeah, I don't understand how these anarchists all wear matching tabards and belong to the same organization. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Some of them don't have trees on their tabards. That's true. They're the true anarchists. Oh, okay. But yeah, also... Going back to Magento and his Furies, the Furies came uh, to town to judge Magento at a trial. Um, they brought him to the north end of town, to that building up there, and uh, had Magento tied to a post. Um, and they uh, asked uh, members of town to speak up on his behalf and uh, vouch for which good, was a little bit tough. Good deeds, yeah. Like find I was enough people. Yeah, like. Apparently some people went and then they're like, oh, apparently we need more people. There's not enough people. <laughs> really. And so I was walking there. I'm like, oh. I'm trying, I, was, it was a hard, I had a hard time thinking of what I wanted to say. And then once I found it, whether or not I wanted to say it. Because <laughs> as we found out, like I knew some of this stuff, but like a lot of it wasn't super common knowledge. Some of the Magento's horrible, horrible deeds that he's had done. Yeah. Um, like murder and cannibalism sometimes all to the same people and not necessarily in that order <laughs> um so yeah there was a lot of crazy stuff um yeah he was strapped to a post uh like asked people to ask people to, the furies asked people to put on like white strips of cloth onto him these bandages things um and uh while while naming his good deeds and then after that part was done they're like all right now um, we're going to start listing his evil deeds, and if you, and if you, and if you vouch for him for a good deed, you're not leaving till this part's over. Yeah, we likened it to like, I mean, as a very like 
<laughs> crude example. We likened it to Biore strips. You remember those things you put on your nose and you're supposed to rip them off and it's supposed to like clear your pores? Okay. That's that's what I we didn't know what thinking. they were called, but I've heard of those things, yeah. Yeah, so you put these you put these nice good deeds that Magento has done on it and it's yeah. supposed to bind to the the blackness of his soul and then when yeah. you rip them away it's supposed to like take it away and then yeah. and then and then whatever's left gets judged. Yeah. So but this, there was a lot of internal debate like among the town after this happened about whether Magento Magento's actions during the trial anyway were like noble and self self sacrificing, or whether it was selfish, or whether it wasn't enough. Like, because he didn't want redemption for himself, just for his daughter. And yeah, I mean, so after he was after like all of the, I thought it was funny at the trial actually that uh, we started off like the fury started off his list of crimes, and then we said if anyone else would like to add to this. And boy, howdy, it was not hard to get the town to, no, it wasn't. to do that. It wasn't. <clears throat> um, but yeah, and then. So, like, then, one of the. Magento, like, he offered up, like, as, like, a sacrifice or recompense, like, his ability to cast music magic. His entire tree. His, his entire. Yeah. And Simon is just like. <gasps> yeah, Simon was not happy about like, that. Like, he literally spit on him. Like,. I, I, I think he called him a disgrace too. <laughs> I didn't hear what he said, but like I, I saw him like whisper something to his ear and then like spit on him. Um, I don't, and I don't, I don't know. I wasn't like I know at one point like he Magento like was like the strips getting ripped off were causing a lot of pain, and at one point like he he died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like, trial can't continue if he's dead. Like, can someone? And like Simon's like <laughs> already on the way over there. Like I'm gonna resurrect you so you can finish this trial. <laughs> Yeah, it was um, it was a really like intense trial. It was, it was an intense moment, and then you know when it was all done, he got banished to the Temple of the Furies to be judged. Yeah. So so it starts the beginning of the end for Magento Laishi. Yeah. But yeah, I but, guess that sparked a whole lot of debate in the town. Where uh, were you part of the? I think you were right part of the big dinner debate. That, yeah. It was it was me and it was Simon, and it was uh, oh I say Mooney but it's Mira, um who who started she was like she came over and and like wanted to talk to us and um and then Summerall was there too and he had a very sort of um like different attitude like his attitude is basically like well it's the end result that matters if that if the end result's (laughs) good then he 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 did he did all right if the end result's bad then then I guess it wasn't justified. And, like, we had a lot of, like, philosophical disagreements about that sort of thing, whether the good deeds can outweigh the bad, if they can ever erase the bad, and if good intentions are enough, and all right. sorts of all sorts of uh, thoughts along those lines. I think, and granted, I wasn't part of the discussion, so I didn't hear the really good parts. Cause I no, was you did. You dinner. just you did come over and, and offer us <laughs> offer us <laughs> ice cream several times, like two or maybe even three times. <laughs> yeah. But I think my favorite part about that was that you guys were so deep in discussion that uh, you <laughs> were oblivious to the screams of the townsfolk who yeah, had yeah, dinner yeah. early. <laughs> Listen, that's not that's not hard for Ribbon to do. Get so engrossed in a philosophical discussion, but yeah, it is surprising that everyone else uh, was in that same boat there. 
Yeah, I was a. Uh... I was very, very proud of my NPCs. <laughs> I guess galley baggers were attacking the town while we were, or starting to attack the town while we were having this philosophical discussion. Uh, they um, were waiting for the town. Uh, okay. My NPCs like ate dinner so quick and then went out and like waited in town for yeah. for for the whole for the town to come by. So when I saw people leaving in in twos and threes, I was like, yes. Yeah, like I don't know. I I personally I didn't notice people leaving the tavern. Like we were on that middle table on the end farthest from the door, um, mm-hmm. and. Like, we were just deeply engrossed in our conversation, and then, like, someone burst in the door and was like, we're being attacked down at Aces! Like, I look up, and, I, and it's just, like, the five or six of us who were having that conversation, and there's no one else in the in the rest of the, uh, um, in the rest of the, the building. Because there were galley baggers down <laughs> yeah. at the time. So, yeah. So, yeah, we went down there, like, I don't know, a whole bunch of people were already paralyzed, and, uh, yeah, so then... Like, we figured out how to use the amulet. Like, you have to be paralyzed and then have the fear effect on you. And then the galley baggers would just, like, instead of absorbing your fear or, or taking your fear or whatever, they just sort of, like, froze in in panic or something. They just froze in stare, scarecrow form uh, with their arms outstretched. And uh, then they were vulnerable to attacks if you hit them really hard. I guess uh, Lenarian said that fire, you didn't have to hit them as hard if you used fire. Um, which makes sense for scarecrows, but it was not something that I thought of. But yeah, like I was trying to like tell people to like, no, we need to we need to be paralyzed for it to use the fear effect, and we need to have our amulets absorb the fear in order for them to be vulnerable. So we have to get paralyzed and then have that fear cast on us. And like, but it was silencing everybody. So I'd like <laughs> get someone into a telepathic conversation, and then like I'd explain it to them. I'd go stand in front of the galley bagger and then someone else would try to save me or I'd get knocked unconscious and, and yeah, but we eventually figured it out and got that straightened out. Um, a lot of people, uh, got paralyzed and killed. Like when I, I got, I got killed when I woke up, like there was, there was like at the, like in front of the porch of aces, there was like a row of people. And then in front of that, there was a row of paralyzed people. <laughs> like they, they, they were just sort of like attacking around the paralyzed people. And, uh, yeah, just sort of using them as like a human wall, but uh, yeah, we eventually got uh, took care of all the galley baggers, from what I could see. So then, after a little bit, we had to escort Aralia down to Mama's Woods uh, for a um, uh, Bantakinsue ritual to control her her wolf form, um, and we had to do that without her having any like spells cast on her so it was just it was guarding her um some purifiers showed up and attempted to stop us um and which was handled mostly through diplomacy like Semerald did plant down on the bridge of, i'm sorry I, i'm i'm not sure that diplomacy is the right word <laughs> but it was definitely mostly talking. <laughs> more threats of violence than actual violence how about that sure is that accurate all right, all right. That, that's there okay. was some there was some actual <laughs> violence, but it was more threats yeah. of violence than actual violence. Uh, Semerald took his job as guardian of Mama's Woods pretty seriously and uh, like didn't let them onto the bridge, and so you guys <laughs> you guys had to like walk through the the water. Um, yep. To to get over there, 
<laughs> not a great d- GM decision on my part because I had NPCs following me. <laughs> like, yeah. if it had just been me, that's one thing. But I did have NPCs following me. And you didn't I'd... feel great about leading other people in their their shoes and socks into the yeah no into I the was water. Like, oh, that was that was not a great GM decision. But anyway, we got across <laughs> the bridge. Yeah, um, and the ritual went well. A couple of the, the um, um, purifiers like witnessed it with uh, varying degrees of uh, acceptance of the, of the proceedings. <laughs> I used it to teach a lesson. It yeah. was a learnable moment. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> but, yeah, Johnny's uh, purifier, like, got a much different perspective and I think renounced the purifiers and threw, threw his cloak <laughs> off at one, at one point and, and was just chatting with um, mostly uh, Kai, mostly Helic, mostly uh, Tom Sadler there. Uh, a few other people as well. I chatted with them a little bit, um, and uh, but yeah, you were teaching Napo how, <laughs> like, this how to is be what a you wa- punter. This is this is what you watch out for. Like, don't take that's, your eyes off the wolf. That's what we were there for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least someone has some sense. Jeez. <laughs> uh, there was some very good role playing there. Yeah, this weekend actually had a lot of good role playing. Yeah. And then later that night. We got to be Invergence creatures oh, and yeah. Sadius cultists. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, the uh, corrupted Sadius cultists um, in uh, Vera's tribe and then Invergence creatures sent by uh, the Blood Lich Humphrey, as well as uh, Nimulus from the Arius Umbra. Who, he was just mostly just there, like, in dark robes with his eyes, arms folded, like, watching stuff. He did cast a few spells that um, were all like very targeted and very effective like the magic cage around uh the tavern like he said like like he like he even gave us a heads up he's like i'm gonna cast a magic cage on the tavern like everybody out of the tavern and And then then, you didn't make it out of the tavern oh i i I made it out and then i like it sounded like there were people still in there so i i just went back in to yell at people to get out of the tavern and as soon as i stepped in the door magic cage went down (laughs) and it was me uh and Finley Sandow. and Sandow, and as soon as that magic cage went down, <laughs> uh, Sandow was like, "Well, I'm here." So we defensive stanced, <laughs> and then there were two Sadie sculptists. There was, it was uh, you and I was an invergence creature. Oh, an, two and two invergence creatures, right? Two invergence creatures. There was you and Johnny. I think Johnny was an invergence creature too, and uh, Paul is Nimulus, who was just just walking around observing, <laughs> seeing seeing uh, <laughs> I don't know how well these invergence creatures fared or something, and. Uh, like Finley and I were just running around using all of our low-level spells to just snipe and try to knock out the absorption uh, bubbles on the uh, invergence creatures. Um, mm-hmm. Just like running around those center tables, and you and Johnny were chasing us. And then I eventually just got knocked out, knocked unconscious. And um, while I was standing behind Sandow, uh, I think you can. Tr- I think we might have gotten Johnny down. I don't remember. But I think you- Johnny just blinked out. Or he- oh, okay. <laughs> Um, but you, uh, cause I, I didn't know what happened. Like I went down and I didn't see him after that, but then like you controlled Finley to pull him away from, uh, from Sandow. And then I was in the middle of a, uh, like a tug war. of war between the two of them. And I've never had to be more alert and responsive to skill calls as an unconscious body <laughs> in my entire, yeah. uh, um, LARPing experience. Um, so yeah, there was that. Um, Nimulus cast a big uh, uh, mass death spell on the trail on the way down to the amphitheater. Um, mm-hmm. 
And then there was also lots of um, dampening fields, which uh, were not being cast by an emulus, but were centered on him because Paul was calling them out. But they were like they were dampening fields with desecrates, basically. And then, like towards the end, there was one with a consecrate, and so that's probably tied to the fact that the invergence energy leaking out of the uh, um, the Merith Citadel, which is now in the Evernight Forest is sort of locked in conflict with the, the blessing of Elmerton, which the got scooped up probably by the Merith to like, you know, or maybe just of its own accord to uh, struggle to contain that um, invergence energy um, leaking out. So the blessing of Elmerton is doing the dampening field and trying to contain all that stuff, but some of the desecration was leaking out, but then mm-hmm. it seemed to uh, subside at the end there as the... Uh, Invergence creatures left. Meanwhile, uh, Mira, as the uh, what do you call it, wise woman of the Sadie's cult, was trying to cleanse as many of the cultists as possible. One of the wise women. One, yeah, one one of the she was a, she's a Sadie's uh, cultist wise woman was trying to cleanse the Sadie's cultists or mask their 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 um, their essences uh, from Zalbatul, who is uh, controlling them. And, uh, yeah, so then the Sadie's Cultists finally all got made safe and non-hostile to us, Magi Sadium, and uh, <laughs> the Invergence creatures, we either defeated them all, or maybe they left once the Consecrate started kicking out. But, uh, yeah, and then Nimulus stayed around, and we had uh, a chat about stuff. <laughs> made some, like, we asked, like, what, what would you be doing, like, if he wasn't here? And like he said something about like the how the, well the the Arius Umbra on Majesta, like he was talking about how they have like you know nice dark rooms and the, like really comfy chairs <laughs> and they, like he kept talking about <laughs> comfy chairs and he offered offered one to to Mira's like saying hey we got an opening free in the Arius Umbra, you, you could join us we have nice comfy chairs, <laughs> uh, but yeah we uh, I think we managed to do fairly well in that and get some questions answered that that he was in a position to answer without giving away too much other than what questions we wanted answered. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's still, Arius Umbra, he's, like, he's obviously, he was working for Humphrey as part of an arrangement, like maybe just, mm-hmm. like, keeping tabs and reporting on how effective these these Invergence <laughs> creatures are. Um, he's doing his information requests. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that conversation went on till pretty late. And then in the morning... Um, there were more working troops in DOD that attacked Lower Cabin uh, for final battle. We considered just letting them have Lower Cabin because there's no <laughs> one sleeping there. And um, if they're going to take a building, they can have that one if they pay their taxes. But that's, prob- that's not going to happen for DOD and, and yeah. not, not, certainly not for DOD. Maybe working troops, who knows. But the DOD weren't not, definitely not going to pay taxes for it. And the working troops were definitely not going – they didn't want to take it without a fight. So – our hands were kind of well, tied there. Well, and also, they were trying to teach the DOD <clears throat> how to do honor combats. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good thing. Like, I'm I'm okay with that. <laughs> the DOD were not very good about doing honor combats. They didn't really get it. Yeah, no, they... they <laughs> we were just standing good. around in a circle, and then, like, every time, like, the two fighters in the middle got close to the edge of the circle, and there was a DOD member, they would just reach out and... <laughs> and be like, no, 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 don't, don't... That's, that's not honor combat. <laughs> Yeah, it was so hot. We just, you know, we didn't want to force anybody who didn't want to fight to fight. So we were just like, all right, we're just going to go do some honor combat. And then it, and if anyone wants to fight, they can. Mm. That's a good way to do so, it. Yeah, I mean, 
normally, you know, it, it was just it was just too hot, too hot. Yeah. So yeah, that was it. Uh, it was a good event. I think people had fun. Yep. And I'm really looking forward to the next two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, I don't know the, the the festivals. I like the festival soul. I, I'm not. Isley's weird. Like the face stuff is weird. Like I I like it. I'm glad that it's there. It's weird though. It uh, is festival, Yeah, <laughs> F- Festival of Souls is is also pretty weird too. But it's I I like that one more probably than Isley. Are the I mean, I, um, I, like the little children like the minis that come out with that's Isley though, right? Or no, is that no, Festival of Souls? That usually happens on the Festival of Souls. Okay, then yeah, Festival yeah. of Souls is definitely my favorite. <laughs> they're they're both my favorites. I like uh-huh. them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, now it's time to take a quick break, uh, and with a with one of our sponsors who helps us with this with this podcast. And uh, today's sponsor is Dark Lord Sanders. Dark Lord Sanders is Edinburgh's only fried chicken mancer. The this is the deep fried meal that delivers itself right to your door, guaranteed in ten minutes or less. So clucking good, you could almost die. <laughs> I'm patting myself on the back for that one. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. We had a discussion before. How long does Animate Dead last? T- ten minutes? Okay, good. I mean, I guess you have to be, like, in Edinburgh within yeah, ten yeah, minutes. Of- <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure they have a, a certain delivery area that they service. Oh, sure. I mean, they, I guess they could hire some hoppers. They could. They could. <laughs> then they just... Animate the chicken and then have the hopper open a portal and it's off. (laughs) Delivering to Edinburgh and select portal authority uh, headquarters. (laughs) Like, I feel like the portal authority is is on the surface disapproving of of the chicken. Now, in general, I I disapprove of letting animated dead pass through portals. But this is some really good chicken. (laughs) He uses buttermilk batter. Ooh. All right, we'll uh, we'll move on from from Chicken Mancy to uh, a, a really nice song uh, performed by Aurelia, and she's doing Wild Mountain Time. So take it away, Aurelia. <laughs> Oh, 
Thanks so much, Tanya. That was really great. So our next segment coming up is our Clarify segment. And this is where we talk about various things that uh, either people come to us for clarifications about or rules or anything like that. Uh, So today's question comes from Chris Fahey, and he asks, how how do knowledges work, primarily secrets and future, on both an in-game and out-of-game level? So thanks, Chris. Uh, good question. I, I sometimes forget. I've been at Magistry for so, so, so long that, you know, when you say knowledges, people are kind of like, yeah, what's that? So knowledges are little pieces of information about the game, about the world, about plots, um, about people that the PCs can get by either buying the skill um, or by using brownie points to purchase knowledges. You When you pick a knowledge there's a whole bunch of different types that we'll go through in a second and uh, when you pick that knowledge then you get a piece of information that comes to you that is you know related to that specific knowledge that you get on your character card uh, at game so it's just it's just kind of there yep they are they're one of my favorite pieces of the game Um, especially like as a when I came in as a new player who wanted to be a scholar and know things like other than reading the old old messenger articles, which I did, which Angela suggested, mm-hmm. and I did, and um, that was that was a great piece of advice. But having those knowledges meant I got a little something, usually something that that other people in town didn't know, right? That I got at the beginning of the game, and I could read that over at you know check in or after check in, and um, have some information to share and like appear knowledgeable about the world that my my character grew up in and spent um you know 20 30 something years in and obviously shouldn't should know stuff about the game so I, I think i think it's a really cool thing like even if your character isn't someone who's super knowledgeable at everything having something if your character is into nature having knowledge nature allows your character to you know when when a topic comes up because usually when these these knowledges come into play that topic is going to come up sometimes sometimes they're old and recycled knowledges especially if the staff is 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 stressed out and doesn't have time to write like 30 new knowledge natures. But some of those are going to be stuff that's, a lot of them are going to be stuff that's going to be relevant to plots that are happening in the game, either for everybody or for someone in particular. So if you have that information, it, it's great to talk about that because it gives your character something that you can know and contribute. And 
like you might be like giving someone else a key puzzle piece that they need to figure out how to do a particular thing that they've been trying to do for a while. Yeah. Uh, and we do try. This the staff does try very hard to make all of the knowledges if not specific to the game, then at least useful to the yeah. to the PC. So if you did get, you know, an old knowledge or something, maybe it's a knowledge that you're because you know, it's becoming relevant again or Correct. Yeah. Something. Yeah. But yeah, so they're they're cool little pieces of information that we write pretty much new for every game and you know, all of our plot writers, you know, take take turns with all the different kinds and um yeah, they they write little little bits of knowledge. So there are a bunch of different kinds of knowledges, like we said before. We start off well, we'll go in alphabetical order, uh with dimensions. So that's knowledge related to dimensions or dimensional travel or Astral energy. Astral magic and dimensional magic, yeah. Yeah. Then there's knowledge futures. Um, and they obviously, they, they give you a glance into the future or a possible future. Mm-hmm. There's knowledge history. My I, favorite knowledge. I, I really like writing knowledge histories. They're fun. As long as I'm not doing it the Thursday night before the event. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, knowledge language. Then there's knowledge local, which obviously is you know more around the the very the very near area of Elmerton or whichever town we're playing in. Yeah, when we were in Marshall's Landing, a lot of those knowledge locals were specific to the Marshall's Landing area, but sometimes they're just you know the Kingdom of Irvinshire in general. Um, right. And then uh, nature, um, that's knowledge about the natural world, rocks and trees, um, sometimes alchemical stuff, or just other sometimes regional things as well. It overlaps a little bit with, with local sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, knowledge, jumping out of alphabetical order a little bit, there's knowledge secrets, which are often rumors or knowledge that people are trying to, that's, that someone is trying to suppress and doesn't want out. Um, and then uh, knowledge random, which um, I just picked up uh, this past game and gives you like one of a knowledge of one of the other kinds. Um mm-hmm. Now it's also worth noting that you can also get knowledge by get a knowledge by uh, visiting the library. Um, when you travel in game to a place that has a library, you can spend like a week and half a gold to get a, do a gather information. You can also spend like a day and mm-hmm. I think it's like a couple silver to get a one of the knowledges, and you can choose which category. So that's that's that can be a cool way to sort of try before you buy. Um, if you have library access, um, you can go to a area that has a library and, you know, see, get a glimpse at, get, get one of these knowledges and and figure out if it's something that you might want to have and spend skill points on, um, getting one of those every game. Um, Right. So yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different kinds out there and they're all little pieces of, of, of knowledge. Hence the reason Mm -hmm. they're called knowledges. Yep. So on an, you know, like we said. On an out-of-game nature, that's what they are. They're plot information. They're world information. They're just things that we think that would be neat for the players to know or would be beneficial or important for the players to know. On an in-game nature, it's uh, these are coming to you via rumors or visions or uh, maybe things that you've heard, um, things that you've researched. Yeah. So it, it, there's different in-game ways that these things come to you yeah you can you can role play it however you choose to um like 
you know, Lenarian will usually say she heard it from some trees and rocks because her knowledges are mostly uh, nature and local type things. Uh, Simon will usually say he heard it from a guy in Riverton. He forgets exactly who. <laughs> um, Ryben usually says, I read it in a book. So, you know, you can flavor it however you want. But yeah, it's, as I said, it's, it's a way for you to, like, when, when there are, even when there aren't, like, NPCs coming um, down the hill or, or into town to further the plot and have something to get the discussion rolling amongst the PCs, something to talk about that can sort of guide guide your game and help you prepare for the game, or even just if if it's something really weird, just like, you know, something to joke around about or or uh or tell stories about or or extrapolate wildly and make crazy guesses about things that are you think might happen. Yeah. So yeah. It's fun exactly. stuff. And it's important stuff, and it's it's a way for the it's a way for the staff to sort of distribute the the exposition load on, <laughs> onto the onto the players, and allow yeah, and it, it gives you know if we pass out a bunch of information, then it gives people like you said the opportunity to talk yep. to one another and yep. to to be involved in the plots. Yep. In Marshall's Landing a few games ago, there was like we started getting these like just pieces of information about the history of Marshall's Landing via these knowledges and so we all put our heads together um talked about the piece that we knew and tried to put it together into some semblance of a of a cohesive narrative and story and figure that out yeah so uh now after all of this people might be thinking oh knowledges are so cool i'm gonna go out and buy them all yeah Um, well here's the thing the knowledges are meant to be just little snippets of information and not all of them are a hun- or not all of them may always be correct, and they may not always be absolutely correct. Yeah. Um, so just like a rumor, some of these, like especially if you get it from like secrets um, or you know whatever they or local, you know some of these things may not be a hundred and ten percent correct. So you should approach you should approach these not as though they are verified a hundred percent truth, but you should, you know. As a general rule, you know they are they are information, but you should you should always take them with a grain of salt. Right. Um, so yeah, the history could just be what people believe happened historically. You mm-hmm. know, um, the futures are just possible futures. Yeah, and they tend but, to be pretty highly symbolic futures. Yeah. So, so let's talk, let's talk about. I want to talk about a specific knowledge future that I got. Like I wasn't okay. planning on getting knowledge future, but that's what my knowledge random gave me. Um, mm-hmm. And. I got this, and I'm like, I have no idea what this means. And now looking at it in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I know exactly what this is referring to. So I got this this, this past game before, and I'm reading it before all of the Magento plot happened with the Furies and the him being tied to a post and the like the the uh the deep pore cleansing from the bandages pulling all of his bad deeds away so here's what i got i got you see an unstrung loot lying in a murky swamp it is coated in slime and muck and seems to be rotting two hands also made of rotting wood emerge from the slime and roughly throw a strap over a branch of a tree and let it dangle in the wind the hands reach into the muck and pull out glowing strings which screech and scream as they're strung onto the trembling loot then strips of clean cloth are wrapped around the loot, soaking up the mire and muck. The hands violently rip the cloth away as they are soaked, and you can hear the strings and the wood of the loot protest. Just as the last strip is ripped away, three vultures descend into your vision, preventing you from seeing the newly cleaned loot. 
So the vultures at the end are the furies who took Magento away, and then we didn't get a clear answer as to what happened to him. The strips of clean cloth, you know, obviously Magento's the loot and those strips of clean cloth, it happened pretty much the way the vision said. But <laughs> I had no idea what I was reading when I got that vision. And then after I'm like, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes the, with with the highly symbolic nature of like these like uh, visions, and same with astrology too, like sometimes you'll see similar symbols in someone else's vision and then you can put those pieces together and be like, oh, okay. Now I see where this is going. Yeah. Knowledges are fun. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, you know, all of your plot questions to, to be, be answered solved by, by them. By knowledges. And there are limits, too, to the amount of knowledges that you're able to get. Yeah. We only allow people to buy four knowledges uh, because when we did not have a limit, oh, my gosh, we had so many knowledges. And they, you know, it was just getting very, very... Uh, you know, we just we just didn't have time to write them all, so we limited to four knowledges, and uh, then you can also, you know, since we're talking about knowledges and and information requests, we'll go and tell you what the rest of the you can get sure. four knowledges, four and uh, four letters or dreams or telepathic sendings. <laughs> those are all kind of lumped together. Yeah, um, and those are basically just like the one way communication. Either it's yeah. the staff. Giving you information. Yeah, knowledges are one way from the staff to the players, and then like the letters or dreams or sendings or whatever that you do are one way communications you to an NPC. And uh, yeah. And then in addition to that, the other information requests that you can get, um, you get four of either stockings or astrologies or gather infos. And this is basically the PC saying, this is what I want more information about. And then the NPC saying, okay. Because <laughs> so. all those take your, yeah, your time. And, and w- when, especially when like with the, with the skill cap now, like these are, these are uncapped skills. So some people are being like, oh, well, I can't take more, you know, in-game skills, but these out-of-game skills, you know, might as well take some of those. And, but that, you know, adds more workload to you guys between events, especially since it you guys does. have been uh, short a, a GM or two. <laughs> For, for various reasons that, you know, put some strain on you guys. Yeah, I mean, these all do take a lot of time and effort, especially since our staff really does, you know, like getting all the information that we've written about yeah. plots and stuff. And they do a great PCs. job. Yeah, my, they do do a great job. But, yeah, so it's that's we, we have to limit it so that we have time to actually write plot for the game, too. <laughs> what? Because it is a live-action role-playing game. Wait, what? <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's that's how knowledges work, um, and you'll find them on your character card as you know after you check in, and you can have little bits of information to bring back to the town. Yep, make sure you read them when you get them. <laughs> <laughs> we have had that problem before. Yeah. Welcome to Ask Ribbon Anything. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed here are for informational purposes only and not for the purpose of providing legal advice. The opinions of Ryben Van Holt are completely in-game, may not reflect the opinions of Andy Doucette or Magistry staff, and may be factually untrue. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome, especially when time travel is involved. Oh, hello. You just caught me taking a break from organizing my papers. Let me set down this bloodroot brew and I can answer your questions. How does the Evernight work? 
Can the Ashenide see in the Evernight, or is everyone blind in the Evernight? Rilaru. Hmm, that's a good question. Um, the Evernight is a forest that is without light or sound as we know it. That's not to say it's impossible for anyone to navigate or perceive in there. Evernight Morris is an eccentric being that appears as an old man. He lives in the Evernight, as his name might suggest. Evernight Morris has trained a number of residents of Elmerton to be Everguides over the years. I have not become an Everguide myself, but I understand that it is a long and arduous process of acclimating to the Evernight Forest, and that the process is not made any easier by all the heavy labor and yard work Morris requires you to do, or the loud and booming voice of Morris that you are somehow able to hear. Other powerful residents of the Evernight are presumably able to see and hear clearly inside the forest. Among these are Byron, uh, a death knight formed from the deaths of the Windlock Dawnbreakers who protected the area surrounding the Evernight Forest from things coming out of it for 117 years. Also, the incarnation of Pestilence, Morcanthos, resided in Byron's castle in the Evernight for a few years. I'll assume that he was probably able to see. Um, as for the Ashenide, I'm not sure that they're able to all see in the Evernight. Um, I doubt all of them can, but I suppose at least some of them must. And it would probably be safe to assume that all of the Ashenide dreamers can, their leaders. Well, I know Jack Garen can, but he was an Everguide before he was a dreamer. Any, anyway, uh, Dogwood asked, uh, can you tell us some about other dimensions and what they're about? I can give you some information, but other dimensions aren't really my specialty. I'm focused pretty heavily on the history of Majesta. Well, also Dant, since that's where Sadius came from, and Valarius, and the greater and lesser Dacamore, and Kenrindel, the uh, elf the city of Kenrindel is named after. Oh, and the Arius Umbra here on Majesta, and a whole bunch of other influential forces. I, I guess I know a fair amount about Brim. I'm not sure if that counts as a dimension as such, since that's more of the dream a dream realm for dimensions like Dant that don't have their own dream realms like Majesta does. Sorry, uh, we were supposed to be talking about dimensions. Um, a hopper would be able to tell you more. But some of the dimensions I've heard about are as follows. Uh, Drift is a dimension almost entirely composed of water with a hot sun at the center. Small bits of land float on the surface as islands, merging and splitting and forming constantly changing island chains. Uh, Drift's main draw is tourism. I'm not sure if there are any intelligent species that are truly native to Drift, so much as there are tourists who have stayed and raised generations of families there. Uh, they have excellent beaches, hospitality, and weather. Uh, the ocean is always warm at the surface, but don't dive too deep as it gets hotter and hotter the deeper you go. Jet sharks will ride hot currents to the surface and leap out of the water to grab prey, so don't venture too deep or too far out. That said, I can say from personal experience that Drift is a beautiful place, always either starlit uh, or a, with a warm sunset glow coming out of the water itself. The libraries there are terrible, just trashy light reading. Nothing much happens there, but... I suppose that's the point. Uh, hush is a dimension with no sound. The natives are telepathic, so it doesn't bother them much. Um, the dimension is also in a perpetual twilight. Uh, for these reasons, Hush is populated by a high number of criminals, often fleeing from other dimensions and hiding there. I don't know a whole lot more than that. Uh, then there's Pyros, a dimension where magic doesn't really exist. The natives there use machines and clockwork contraptions to do a lot of things that we use magic for on other dimensions. I've heard that if the authorities there find people from off-world using magic, they take them away never to be seen again, but I can't really confirm that. Mythium asks, who are Rybin's greatest enemies? Uh, well, would you, would you look at that? Time for my meeting at the manor house about taxes and other 
uh, boring stuff. No, I'll be I'll be fine uh, walking there on my own. Bye. <laughs> Didn't get to see who Ryvin's enemies were. Well, would you look at the time? <laughs> well, I mean, would you look at that time? Oh, well, would you look at the I time? Yeah. Yep, <laughs> that that completes our 11th episode of The Magistream. Thank you to Chris Fahey and Laura Button, Alex Fabian, and Caleb Balda for submitting questions for us to answer. And thanks to Tanya Mathiason. Uh, for her submission to our Command Perform segment. Thanks again to Sam Rushford for writing our theme music. You can find more of her music at facebook.com slash Sam Rushford. And thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Introducing the magistrate. Come ask Ryben anything. Be your bridge between the games. People don't understand it. Say I'm too old to believe in magic The only limit is what you can imagine So come and listen, la 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 So come and listen, la 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 This podcast has been a production of Magistry, copyright P-Devil Games. You can find out more about our LARP at magistry.com or on our Facebook at facebook.com forward slash magistry. If you have comments, suggestions, feedback, or questions, you can email us at themagistream at magistry.com.